This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Muck Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery. So, the only thing left to say is... You in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get reward points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome to Rob Ryan Red, a Wrexham FC podcast by Nathan Salt and Rich Faye, bringing you all the latest views, news and interviews from around the race course. Now, if you're new around here, Make sure to subscribe, but enough of that, let's get on with the show. Hello, Kreuzer. Thank you for joining us on Rob Ryan Red, the Wrexham podcast brought to you in association with Red 10 People Development. 38 matches played, 94 points, 8 games remaining, the key to promotion... Just add water. We've already recorded one of these podcasts today. We've had to come back and edit a new intro. Wrexham busy on the eve of deadline day in the National League. Billy Waters joining from Barrow. We will bring you all you need to know about Wrexham's new signing on today's podcast. And we'll also look ahead to a record-breaking weekend at the Kairos. Discuss the lowdown with the goalkeeper situation and take a look back at our weekend win. Naif, there is only one place to start. We've been thinking of some dreadful water puns as well before we started recording this. And believe it or not, that was the best one we came up with. That is the exact sort of signing that I feel we needed. We've always been a bit pessimistic, but water signing. <laughs> I came up with some terrible ones, so I can't laugh. I actually can't laugh because I daren't repeat what I said. You were just silent on the other end. I thought you'd logged off. Uh, I'm not very good at the puns. I leave them to you, but yeah. I mean, I think they're just covering the bases, Rich, if I'm being honest. I don't want to read into it too negatively. I think they've always been on the hunt for another striker. You know, as much as Bickerstaff is a great finisher, he he hasn't had a look in, has he? And we've always said that Mullen is really the only player that hasn't got a replacement. Now, look, I'm not saying Billy Waters is super poor Mullen. Nobody is. You know, there's not many people out there that could really come and make a claim that they can fill the boots of Paul Mullen. But you have now got four starting calibre strikers and that's trying not to be too disparaging on Jake Bickerstaff but perhaps next season Jake Bickerstaff will get a National League loan and we've got Billy Waters now until the end of the 24-25 season so until the summer of 2025 Billy Waters will be a red I don't know what do you you make of it it's big I think it's a big signing yeah I think at this stage of the season when you're buying players you've got to have new new players coming in who are future proofed 
because there's no point buying a player who, say we get promoted in eight games' time, is now redundant to the squad. So I think Billy Waters ticks all those boxes. He's clearly coming as sort of backup to Mullin, but he's a player who's proven at this level and has a, had a decent season in League Two as well. You've got to remember, yeah, he's goal-scoring. He's got 9-32 in the league for Barrier this season, who are 10th in, in, the, in the division above. So it's not astronomical. It's not sort of too eye-catching, but he would be playing in a team which is going to dominate, have a lot more chances you, you'd expect. So he could be, you know, a, a perfect addition to the uh, to this rich, rich side. And I think rich, as well, an, under, rich, an undisclosed fee on a, what is it, a three-year deal? Uh, not not quite, a two, two-year deal. I mean, he, he's going to be coming to play, Rich. And whether that's York on Saturday, who knows? I mean, look, we, you know, we can maybe get onto it, but clearly the striking department is is patched up at the minute. You know, Mullins and knee isn't quite right. Thankfully, we're not playing any more 4G. Palmer has been violently unwell. And if you want to know exactly, uh, that's far too much information from um, Phil Parkinson. I was eating my breakfast the other day and I had to read all about the specifics of what was going in and out of uh, Ollie Palmer. So if you want to spoil your dinner or Ironically, your probably or quite a lot of water. Yeah, uh, and um, amid, amidst other things. Um, and, and Sam Dolby pulled out of England. See, he's also not well, is he? So really, you, you know, you're risking being left with very, very little up top. You know, Sam Dolby battled through, Oli Palmer battled through, Paul Mullen is battling through, but they are only human as well. And uh, like you said, in Billy Waters, I remember him at Halifax more than anything, and he was great at Halifax. You know, he was always that kind of player that... I can't remember if he has scored against well, us. Wasn't it? Yeah, 2015 Right, Gary Johnson's Cheltenham, yeah, at the time. I was chatting to a, um, friends of the pod, actually, the National Obsession guys, Torquay, and they were saying he's just a real battler. You know, he's not going to be Macaulay Langstaff or Paul Mullen in front of goal, but he is an instinctive finisher by his own admission, and, and he will just run about and, and will harass defenders. And I think, you know, if he is an option off the bench, will we see him at the weekend? It'll be interesting. It'll be really interesting to see if he's involved on Saturday, you know, if he's involved, how much he's involved going forward. But I think, like you say, more than anything, it's clearly a player Parky likes and it's future-proofed. Of course, as well, if you were to get promoted this season, then you'd have a seven-man bench next season. Right. So and that's a two-striker more... bench, isn't it? That's got yeah, to be so you a two-striker bench. You could start Mullen and Palmer and then you've got a like-for-like replacement for, for either of them on the bench in every single game. And if you look at the top goal scorers last season, Billy Waters was joint seventh in the National League with 18 goals, which is as many as Paul McCallum got at Dagnum and Joe Sparrow got at Solihull. He scored more goals than Michael Cheek got for Bromley. He outscored Ollie Palmer, Jordan Davis. You know, the, the only players who scored more goals than Billy Waters last season in the National League, Paul Mullen, Kabongo Shimanga, Paddy Madden, Andy Dallas, Ruben Rodriguez, and Carl Wooten. That is very good company if they're the only players who are right. outscoring you. And I think you've got to take that as well. And the other fact for Billy Waters is 18 goals in the league last season, none of those were penalties. So right, he right. is someone who just can add a lot to, to the squad. Like you said, he will be coming here and will want to play, but I think there is also that expectancy that he doesn't have to every week, but he will right. get his chances. He'll get his opportunity now to to help Wrexham out and... Again, eight games now for him to make himself I'm getting, a legend. I'm getting, penal, I'm getting penalty box poacher vibes. And also, could you imagine, it does feel like, you know, that you come in late. If this was a movie, you come in very late in, in the film 
and and you get the you get the last minute winner, don't you? You get that last minute winner to seal it. It'll be it'd just be really interesting to see the kind of role he has just for us, you know, and what impact he can make because he's going to be thrown in there. He, he says he's fit, you know, he'll he'll want to go straight in and a uh, couple of days now to 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 get kind of ingratiated with the, with the group and uh, I'm really intrigued, which more than anything, I'm not necessarily uh, overwhelmed by the signing. You know, I'm more than anything, I'm really intrigued to see how it pans out. And I tell you what, I shared it on Twitter uh, when you listen to this be Thursday, but last night. He's got a set of pipes on him. He can sing as well. Dancing in the Moonlight sounds like it's his... I'm actually going to play a little clip of uh, his initiation. This is from when he was at Northampton. So if you haven't heard the uh, musical prowess of Billy Waters, here it is. We get it almost every night When Rich, I mean, he can sing. I don't know if he's got time. Have you got time for an initiation with eight games to go? Are we going to get a chance to do one? He is making waves, put it that way. And interesting (laughs) as well, Nath, is his third match will be back at Halifax for Wrexham, potentially. Wow. He'll be so desperate to play in that, won't he? And if he only scores one goal a season, if it comes against Notts County on Easter Monday and is a winner, then who cares? Do you know what I mean? We're so close to promotion now. And we've done so much of the hard work already that I feel that it's a real sensible addition because you just you've got to just have it that insurance policy. You've got to double down and try and minimise all the risk involved in, in getting over the line now. And we've been saying for weeks, what if what if something happens to Mullen? What if one of the other strikers has an off day, gets ill, has an injury? We have now got someone else who has proven at his level. I love Jake Bickerstaff. I think he could have done a job. But I don't think he could have maybe done this job with this much pressure. You're getting someone else in who can do that. And yeah, I think it's a, an excellent addition to the Rich, squad. This is this is slightly unfair, but you know, we were both at Sheffield United away. The circumstances of which Jake Bickerstaff came in were, were gonna be difficult. You know, they're they're in the FA Cup semi finals now. It did look like it was a big moment for him though. He I feel like he just needs a season in the National League. Just play every single week. Go to a an Altrincham or you know, if Rochdale come down or someone like that, just get a regular flow of games. And I have no doubt that he has the finishing ability. It's just hard when you get in. You know, when Sam Dolby, when he started to get a run of games, he's looking good, but getting scrap, absolute scraps. And, you know, the reserve games, there's not many of those. I do feel for Bickerstaff and I do hope that, you know, this suggests to me that next season, if there's four strikers there, and God, well, we've seen the rumours this week to Alfie May, haven't we, down at, at Cheltenham. Um I would like to see Bickerstaff get a decent loan move where he can really get regular minutes. And I'm talking, like I say, National League level to really see if he can cut it and, and you know, get something similar to Billy Waters. And he's Halifax, can he get 15, 18 goals in a season? You know, Parkinson said, I think he's gone on record, hasn't he, saying he's the best finisher at the football club. So it'll be really interesting. But I think in, in terms of injuries, Rich, I think in terms of the striker department, we've actually done quite well. You know, Mullin, Palmer, Dolby haven't missed extended periods of time defensively we've we've been hit quite hard in midfield but really up front I think we've we've got away with it a little bit and this is an important this is a clever move for me where you're just future proofing you've, you've seen two strikers go down with illness 
they're playing through that that barrier. And Mullins and he, we're just trying to nurse him to the summer now and and get him home and get us home in the promotion race. So Billy Waters is coming for a lot longer than eight games to Wrexham, no doubt about that. And I just hope he can make an impact. Rich, we got a great email this week, actually. I've, I've got to go back. We got one. I, I, there's been a backlog that I haven't got through, which is my fault and nobody else's. But we've got a lovely picture, actually, from Barry Lloyd, who it said spreading the news. And they put, here is me in Revolution Square, Havana, Cuba. Never been to Cuba, but love to go. Dropping off my latest Wrexham sticker, having also let people in Colombia, Costa Rica, Panama and Mexico know about the mighty Reds. So he's just been on a tour, just dropping off Wrexham stickers. Placing them wherever he goes on holiday. Love that, Barry. And we also got a uh, lovely message from where are you now? Um, what, Justin Bieber? No, no, no. Where are you now that I need you? Uh, was Gareth Sherratt. He just put uh, a big thanks for the tribute to James Roberts a few episodes ago, uh, which is my pleasure. And, yeah, thinking of James and his family still uh, after that really, really sad news. And I'd say as well, Nath, before we get going, our thoughts are with uh, James Jones as well and his yeah. his partner, Chloe, after they announced uh, when we were on this podcast that they've only just been able to take their son home since since he was born premature four months ago. And he was actually due uh, today, the day you're listening to the podcast. He was born four months wow. premature. Um, thankfully, mother and child both doing well now, both back at home as well. So, yeah, love to, to James, Chloe and to Jude. Great to see them all uh Rich, I'm just gonna well and... yeah, Rich. I'm just gonna read that just to, just so that people have had full context. If you're not on Instagram, it was a it was a strange one because I'm really pleased for him and and his wife Chloe. Um, but you know, I really I, I I tweeted myself. I cannot imagine the stress that that he would have been going through. You know, we've seen firsthand in the documentary the the tragic situation with Jordan and Kelsey and and their son Arthur still uh, stillbirth and and all the kind of um, campaigning they did for Sands and, and all that sort of stuff and and you know Kelsey pregnant again and is due very very soon at the end of the season and you know for James Jones to be playing and and not playing and and uh, all all the stress about his wife so uh, and and child as well so I'm just going to read this he put an amazing moment finally being able to take our son Jude home for the first time he was born 15 weeks premature weighing 640 grams on the 19th of November it's been an unbelievably tough four months seeing both Chloe and Jude having to fight for their lives, but I'm so proud of both of them for being so strong. To all the staff at Wrexham Myler and Royal Bolton Hospital who helped us through such difficult times, we can't thank you enough. Both Chloe and Jude wouldn't be here without your dedication and expertise. Also, a massive thank you to all the players and staff at Wrexham who have been so supportive throughout. I feel lucky to be part of such a special football club. Thank you too for all the support from family and friends and who have been there throughout for us. And thank you to Spoons Charity who have also been a big help. Um, yeah, it just really puts things into perspective, Rich, doesn't it? You know, we get so bogged down in in the title race and, uh, you know, the ups and downs of football. And I can't remember who said the quote, but the, there's a famous quote that football is the most important of the unimportant things in life, right? And, um, you know, there's been countless examples and this is just the latest, but I'm really glad to hear that they were able to ring the bell in, in Bolton Hospital and they're able to take Jude home. So, yeah, from both of us, I echo your thoughts completely. Really, really happy that they can now get their life started together with Jude. Nath, on to the football then. Bromley at the weekend. 
I had it down as drop points. I was being very pessimistic, unusual, on brand really for me heading into that game. But we did win 2-1. A game that was obviously tainted by the injury to Rob Lainton, third season in a row, he's got an injury on that, that pitch. And yeah, just to get over the line in the manner we did was another huge step in the right direction, wasn't it? And a huge testament to this side that we've overcome yet another tricky challenge because there's been so many of them this season where we said, in years gone by, we just don't win that game. And this time we did again. I thought that we did enough. I think we did deserve to win on the day. We created a lot of opportunities. We were really good in the first half as well. We really bombarded Bromley, hit the woodwork a few times and we got our reward to the end. But I was nervous. I was very nervous and I, I can enjoy it now. We're always nervous, Rich. That's that's part of our DNA. But I would say that it's it's one of them where that we rode our luck as well. They did early on. I thought the first fifteen twenty we were brilliant, and I was surprised how quickly we came out of the blocks. That was one of the things I tweeted um, that we we really flew out the blocks and and tried to be an aggressor, which on the road we haven't always done that. Um, so I was really impressed with that. Didn't want to let Bromley settle too much, but they. I mean, they, they nearly chipped Rob Layton from the halfway line at one point. They'd been watching sport in Lisbon against Arsenal. And and there was a great block by Bentoza. You know, Bentoza probably should have scored at the other end. He heads it off the post from, I think, a corner and um, from Jordan Davis's corner. And and then he makes a heroic block at the other end. It is just a crying shame about Rob Layton. Three really freak injuries, Rich. This time, gets his studs caught in the turf. It's knee ligament damage. He'll be out for the rest of the season. What was it? Um, last year, it was his wrist, wasn't it? Wrist injury, and I was there for that one, and that was really innocuous. Uh, and the year before, he, it, we've said it before, wasn't it? It was a late offside flag, and it kneed in the face, basically, and, and that took him away in an ambulance. So hopefully we don't have to go back to Hayes Lane in 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 any hurry, because Rob Lainson, poor lad, is um, absolutely cursed in that part of town. What did you make of... Of it. I mean, look at the lineup as well. There were a couple of changes, weren't there? I mean, Davis coming in for Lee, who was unwell. It feels like it seems like there's been a sickness bug going through the team right. as well, doesn't it? Definitely. Like, there's a lot going on behind the scenes. And again, I give him a shout out every week, but credit to Phil Parkey for managing <laughs> to get the team through this and to, to get through such a ridiculous fixture schedule in which there's just been no chance to rest really he's, he's managed to rotate the team here and there it was good to see young back in the squad and of course yeah. he came on in the in the game as well uh, we but rich come on, I, come on week, I, don't we yeah but look look, look parky's done brilliantly i echo that completely but it's so he gave so much detail on the illnesses to ollie Palmer yeah, too and, much information uh, there far too much information i was i was eating my breakfast scrolling through that leader article and suddenly was not hungry for my breakfast anymore um how I'm not going to pops you're having. <laughs> I'm not going to spoil it. If you really want to know what was upsetting uh, Ollie Palmer's stomach or Sam Dolby, who pulled out of England sea duty on Tuesday, then by all means go look it up. I do not know uh, dare utter what's going on, but yeah, it, it, it's clearly been an issue, hasn't it? it? It's illness has struck down a few, but Rich in years gone by, we 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 wouldn't be able to lose a player like Elliot Lee and be able to bring in Jordan Davis, and even then, you know, we've got Tom O'Connor potentially back involved this weekend. Aaron Hayden's, you know, the, all these players that are getting ill or maybe picking up a knock, and yet the depth is absolutely unbelievable. That's what blows my mind every single week. The depth is incredible. And, and talking to Jordan, I thought he looked sharp, and his, some of his deliveries from corners I thought was spot on. I thought it was really, really good. Yeah, he's got that dead ball prowess, hasn't he? And free kicks as well that we've not had a chance to really see him on since he's since he's come back. But 
I can't wait to to sort of have. He looks like he's sort of fully fit now. He looks like he's real really chomping at the bit to make up for lost time as well. And again, that's what just gives me all this sort of optimism heading into the final few sort of weeks of the season now. Is you can look at your rivals and say this is what they're doing, but the archetypal cliche of they're like new signings. Davis being back, he was our so close second in player of the season last year. Aaron Hayden was probably third in that vote. He's another contender for player of the season this season if he hadn't been injured for so long. And Tom O'Connor is probably player of the calendar year since since you know 2023. Tom O'Connor for me probably has been the Wrexham player who I've been most impressed with. And for all them to be coming back and to be in contention again, it's a new look side. There's so much depth and we've only got five subs as well. So someone good is probably going to be missing out of the whole squad every week, really. It's, it's probably a real two welcome... missing out. You probably have two. You think, like we were saying it before, think of that midfield. The way it works out, you're going to have a keeper on the bench. You're going to have probably a centre-back on the bench. Do you have a wing-back on Nate, the bench? I'd say probably? on that as well that we've often... Um, well, I have anyway whinged that I'd just sacrifice having a sub-keeper in the National League because you've not got much choice. Thank God we had Mark Howard on the bench on, well, on the go. weekend. Because for you, who, who would have come on and been the... the the sort of makeshift goalkeeper. Uh, I, I've I was got about, no idea. I was about to ask this. Uh, Jack and Ollie Palmer's not bad in net. I mean, he's quite an agile bloke. He's a big guy. I'm trying to think of... Uh, I was hearing a story this week about how great Jay Harris was back in the day in goal. You know, Chris Westwood was saying he was like one of the best goalkeepers at the club. Uh, Chris Westwood even said he was better than Chris Maxwell, which is a, a bold claim. <laughs> but uh, I don't know. I've, I, I, I do, it does make me wonder. I reckon, you know, I reckon Jordan Tonicliffe would be a would be a great shot stopper. I think Owen O'Connell. He, he yeah, potentially. Any of those centre backs, I just reckon that they just would refuse to let it in. Even though they yeah. would lack the kind of goalkeeping prowess, they would just refuse let's, to let it in. They'd... Let's hope we don't have to find out. But yeah, no, just credit hope. to credit to the lads again to get that win. Uh, it's just it's just a case of taking them as they come now into the last eight games of the season and every game is as difficult as the next one. I know there's obviously the headline game on Easter Monday that people will be looking at, but you can't take any match lightly anymore because the table, the momentum can shift in the blink of an eye. And just as second place team in the division have dropped points, you know, that could be Wrexham. It's credit to us that it's not been yet, but you can't have any complacency whatsoever, no matter who the who the opposition are. So it was good to see that see that win and like you said, really good that we've got more players on the horizon heading back. I suppose the question, though, Nath, is the goalkeeper situation then. Uh, Leighton, like you said, out for the season now. Mark Howard, who's been the number one for most of the campaign, it must be said, and was the number one when we played what the Sheffield United home leg. He was in goal for Coventry away. I know he's a bit iffy in moments there, but we've had big wins, big results with him in the side already. Uh, Lainton very much knows he's the fan's favourite and I think Mark Howard knows that he's not the fan favourite anymore but you've only got to go back to last season when we thought the season was going to be ruined and any chance of promotion were gone because maybe Dibble was coming in and Dibble was excellent for that run-in. He was man of the match in the Stockport semi-final. I know Mullen gets the two goals but after the game Palmer and Mullenberg said that Mm. Dibble was a standout and I feel that, you know, like for like, Howard is a better goalkeeper than Dibble. So if Dibble was good enough in his run-in last season, then why can't Howard be again? This is a player who was in the Football League and getting player of the season for Carlisle. Yes, he's not up to Leighton standards, but no other keeper in the division is. It is just a case of 
I don't want to be a happy clapper, but this is still a good goalkeeper. We've got an excellent goalkeeper and a good goalkeeper, I'd say. And now it's time for the good goalkeeper, goalkeeper to play. And he's been a good goalkeeper for the majority of the season. Which, which well, the way I, I mean, I was getting absolute pelters in certain group chats. I wouldn't say who, um, you know, saying that, look, this, the season will be over so quickly. What have we got? Five podcasts left before the season wraps up? Something like that. Six, maybe. Um, you know, it, it'll be over in the blink of an eye. You know, home games, our home record is great. And, and I find with... You, you found this sort of in a, in a way with Dibble, but if Howard keeps a clean sheet, it's because of the defence. And if Layton keeps a clean sheet, it's because he's otherworldly. What I would say is, yeah, Howard doesn't make those wonder saves that make the highlight reel or, you know, have us name in a podcast after it. I don't, I don't think he does. But at the end of the day, clean sheets are a collective effort. And I don't think any... I don't think you could just stick us behind Ben Tozer uh, Aaron Hayden and Jordan Tunnicliffe and we're going to get X amount of clean sheets. He's clearly a very good goalkeeper. My issue with it is that it's talked about so much. You know, I said this to you off air. You know, get behind him, and I, I can understand the messaging. Um, you know, people want to show him support, but the more it's talked about, the more it becomes a bigger deal for me. I almost think we need to just let 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 him play. And really, the most you know, Maidenhead is is the, is the most egregious one. But really, I think some Just of the others. Just the way as well. Yeah, but that was what box, third game of the season, right? Yeah. Fine. So, but that that was a long time ago, and and so you know, think then. And he people... and he overcame those sort of errors. Do you know I mean he then had steady few months in which he yeah, wasn't we really a talking point, right? And like you right. said, it is the old age old sort of narrative anyway that every game each Wrexham player makes mistakes. It's just that they can get away with it if. Luke Young loses the ball in midfield, we have a safety net of the defence to bail them out. If Muller misses a one-on-one, we have the safety net of getting other goals usually. If Mark Howard or Rob Layton makes a mistake, the other team has scored. So the margins for error are so who'd, slim who'd, when you play the goal. Who'd want to be a goalkeeper? Who'd want to be a referee and who'd want to be a goalkeeper? I don't get it. I don't, I, there just seems It just seems to be one of those jobs positions that you know you're, you're always at fault and Okay, now and again you'll get credit if you pull off a wonder say, but more often than not, you're the one that people are pointing the finger at for recriminations. And and that's I, the thing as well, Nath, that sometimes when you drop points, or always when you drop points usually, you just look for a scapegoat. And the goalkeeper is so often the scapegoat. I mean, against Maidenhead, there's the huge error in the goal, which is, which is Mark Howard's fault. That is his error. But we also didn't, manage the game properly we had a free kick in the 90th minute and we just lumped it straight to their goalkeeper gave them the ball back really easily and as a defense we were easy to play through then there's the error by Howard which you can't excuse in isolation but no. as a team we should be seeing that game out anyway they shouldn't be getting one-on-ones or, or, or a brief glimmer like that in the in the dying moments anyway we should have just killed that game and suffocated it like we did the following week when we played South End. so there's always lots of cogs in all this. And of course, like we said, it will come down to the individual. But I think the the message, the unifying message is we have just got to have everyone in the same direction now. You've said before, yeah. Naif, the time for the inquest is the summer. We are eight games from glory, a chance for all these players to have, you know, hero status at Wrexham as the players, the squad who took us back to the Football League. Now is not a time for squabbling. It's not a time for picking favourites and for saying that, 
this player isn't good enough or whatever. We've just got to unify to back the players. And we put out that clip a few weeks ago of Dean Keats saying that the biggest asset Wrexham has before the takeover and after is that home crowd. And when they are behind you, it is the the stereotypical 12th man and they can get you over the line. We saw it last season so many times, the amount of late winners. You think of that Dover game. It's because we all believed, we all knew this team could come back and score six goals and they did. And we've just got to, I know some people will be rolling their eyes and saying I'm a happy clapper, <laughs> but we've just got to back them and just give them all our support because we are so close. We are so, so close. Rich, I was thinking, you know, like in a decade or whatever, if we see it over the line now and we do get promoted finally, you know, when 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 you're asked to name the players in the squad, I wonder who will be kind of one of the ones we struggle to get. You know, obviously everyone will get Mullin and Palmer and I wonder who will kind of be... You're saying if there was a Wrexham edition of sort of pointless. Yeah, Wrexham, who's, who's, who's Wrexham the most... promotion squad members. Exactly, exactly. If that if that is an option uh, on pointless in 10 years' Rory time... Rory Watson, who made his appearance at the UFC. Well, I mean, does Kai Calderbank Park? If that, that's, that's your pointless right there, if that comes up. I mean, as nice a lad as he is from my conversations with him, that's got to be your pointless if he's in the squad as the fourth keeper. Um, and also talking to keepers, there's been a lot of chatter this week about... Getting a new one in, what I would say on that is if you were a defender and you went and got another keeper with eight games to go and a keeper that, you know, maybe is at another club or is a free agent, short, would you be a fan of that? I personally wouldn't be a fan of that with eight games to go. Mark Howard's super popular in the dressing room. I don't get this. I know he gets a lot of flack from the fans, but play it. The teammates love him. He's, he's super popular. Chomp as, as his nickname. And yeah, I, I think what is maybe the view of him externally among parts of the fan base is definitely not shared internally. I know that much. No, and Parky rates him as well and has rated him for the majority of the season. There's been moments where, you know, we've had both keepers fit and Mark Howard was the man getting the nod. There's a reason for that. And we see what happens on a Saturday, don't we? But there's so much behind the scenes and in the training ground and the dressing room. And Mark Howard is someone who, who has impressed a lot of the coaches and a lot of the figures at Wrexham. So that's why. And I think that there's always going to be discussion at this time of season, just so you've got a replacement, because we're now in the situation that what if something happened to Mark Howard? Right. That's that's the issue. Then who's your replacement? For me, it's not in the discussion whatsoever of getting a new starting goalkeeper in. It's the only only discussion is what happens now if Mark Howard was ill or got an injury or for some other reason can't play in a match. So that's all it is. It's about safety blanket at this time of the season. We've got enough as it is. And I think that's the same in every other area of the pitch. Of course, Thursday is the uh, the deadline. 5 p.m. At 5 p.m. for any new signings to be registered in the National League. But I guess with goalkeepers, there will be an emergency loan window because... That surely we, we, that has ha- to we be. have a lot of goalkeepers though. You know, I don't know what the threshold is for emergency. I think loans, you could argue have... against it though on their relative experience. So if none of them had played X amount of competitive games or hadn't had any football league experience whatsoever, right? right but I didn't, you could didn't argue... Rory Watson didn't Rory Watson win something like Scunthorpe's Player of the Year or something before he joined us? I think age would come into it as well. I mean, he's what is he twenty seven? I think we I think we'd be asked, I think we'd be having to turn to Rory Watson, who, as we saw this yeah. week, big UFC fan. And Dana White is a big Wrexham fan, apparently. Yeah, or well, so it seems. Anyway, Maya Jama are a big Paul Maya Jama, like all they're, of us. They're, they're all coming out the woodwork now. Where where were they when we were rubbish, basically? 
Exactly. Where was Dana White and Maya Jammer at Filed Away? Yeah, you didn't away. see them getting abused, do you, on social media? <laughs> just us. Us who have actually been here for a while. So, yeah, uh, like I said, I think in terms of any edition before 5pm, anything would just be in regards to getting some backup in. If you were going to buy someone permanently, you've got to future-proof them that they'd have a role to play next season as well. So it's a real real tricky one in terms of recruitment before deadline day because you've got to buy someone who's either short-term, knows it's eight games or bust for them, or someone who is here for eight games and then potentially in League Two next season and has a role to play and it is worthwhile. So it's a real tricky one. And I, what I have faith in is that the club and that Parky will leave no stone unturned. If it's if it's something they want to pursue, they will go ahead and do it. And they've got the money and the backing to go and, and do so. It's, it's definitely not a case of that, is it? So we'll just have to wait and see, see on that one. But in terms of goalkeeper, it's Mark Howard. Rich, a big week. It's obviously every week is a big week for the for the men's team, but it's an even bigger week for the women's team. And I feel like you're going to tell us why. Yeah, Nathan, it is a very big weekend, a record-breaking weekend in North Wales as the title-winning Reds take on Connors Key Nomads at the racecourse ground this Sunday, March the 26th, in what will be a record attendance for the women's game women's club game in Wales. The the previous record for domestic attendance was last November when 5,175 fans watched Cardiff City women against Abergavenny and Wrexham are hoping to smash that record really with a attendance of over 6,000, maybe even close to 7,000 for that match. A chance as well for the under-19s to parade their trophy triumph as well this season. Just a, a real good day for Wrexham to show the hard work that's been going on on the women's side and to appeal to a, a whole new audience as well. Ticket sales for that game um, are available right up in, in, until kickoff. It is an all-ticket event, though, so you'll have to get one uh, before you, you try to head to the to the race course. And there will be tickets available on the day as well. So if you're not doing anything this weekend, go along very cheap, only costs a pound to get in and you get to watch Wrexham title winners guaranteed uh, in action against Connors Key and history in the making. And ahead of such a momentous occasion, we were delighted to invite back a friend of the podcast, Gemma Irwin, um, to tell us all about it. She is the head of female football at Wrexham and the under-19s coach. And yeah, this was my chat with Gemma earlier this week. So Gemma, I guess the best place to start is what has the mood been like this week building up to this record-breaking day at the race course? It's been pretty exciting overall, I think. Um, certainly amongst the staff, the, the girls, um, sort of mixed emotions with the players. Excitement is the one that stands out more than any. Um, but, you know, as, as to be expected, I guess there's a little bit of apprehension. You know, they, they haven't played in front of so many people before. You know, we, we haven't just gone... A little bit in terms of uh, an increase in, in our regular crowd, we've we've gone unbelievably sort of out of the world in terms of uh, how big the the attendance is going to be in comparison to normal. So you know it's understandable there's a little bit of apprehension there, but overall excitement, um, disbelief probably from from my side in terms of the support that we're going to get and. You know, you always hope that something like this will go down well and, and that people will get behind it. But, you know, the, the reality has just been absolutely fantastic. And, you know, we can't thank 
the the, the general Wrexham fan base enough, you know, that, that we're going to be getting the support that we're going to get on Sunday. Is, is that sort of the message this week then, that for the players, this is a chance now, you know, to celebrate how far they've come, the wonderful achievements of them in the under-19s this season, but... It's also a chance to appeal to that audience. Now you've got them captivated and in the stadium, and to put on a show if you can. Yeah, absolutely. That that is definitely the message that that we've been giving all along since obviously this became a, a thing in the first place. And it, when it came about that we won the league and we won both leagues well on the, on the same weekend, that you know this is an amazing opportunity for not only for the players themselves and the staff, but for the club generally to really get the message out there that, that women's football is worth getting behind if, if they haven't already, that is. And, you know, it's such a lovely thing to to read about the, the comments on, on social media and, and to speak to people generally just, just in passing around the club or, or even like, like last night at... Uh, just randomly bumped into a young girl who, who was speaking about coming to the game on Sunday. And I think that's been one of the the, the most amazing things about this is, is just seeing and speaking to so many people about the fact they're looking forward to come and watch the game on Sunday. And yeah, it's a, it's a really exciting thing to be a part of. And, and, you know, for those people who are bringing young kids who have never been to watch the football match before, you know, this is the perfect opportunity, as you say, to, to hook those people in, to hook those children in, to, to come and to watch women's football and football in generally in general, really. So, yeah, it's a, it's a it's a real opportunity for the game in North Wales and, and Wales as well. If you you know if you want to look at it that way, to to make a real step forward, and you know, I'm I'm really proud that we're going to be a part of that. Gemma, you and I will have both been at Wrexham matches in the past that could only have dreamt of having that many fans in the stadium as well. What's it going to mean for you personally to see the race course that full for this team who have, you know, come so, so far in, in the last two years? Um, yeah, it, I, in all honesty, it'll probably feel very, very emotional. Um, you know, it's like you said, we, we've been here before for men's games where, you, you know, you've been getting three, maybe 4,000, sometimes less than that. Um, for for league games even, mm. so for us as a women's side to be drawing the kind of crowd that we will be on Sunday is it, it's it's a really really proud feeling. Um, it's not only proud of the work that's gone in from the staff and the club to to actually get to where we are now, but just a, a feeling of pride. And watching the the players walk out, oh yeah, that'll be quite an emotional feeling. So you know, watch them walk out to a crowd of well, hopefully we'll be pushing seven thousand. Hopefully, if if we get to that on Sunday, which I really hope we do, um, yeah. So it'll be it'll be it'll be some yeah, it'll be some day, and it's it's quite difficult to put into words. Yeah. Uh, a massively over uh, a feeling of of pride and um, emotion, I think, will, will be the overriding feelings on the day. Uh, and this team, they've been so good this season. They've been breaking records left, right and centre. How good is this team? Do you think that they really can, if they were to get promoted, compete at the top top flight level as well and give it a proper go? I really do. Yeah, I, I really do. Um, you know, they're, they're, I think we'd be 
sort of remiss to to not say that we would potentially need to to strengthen a little bit if we were to go up. But and hopefully we will be in a position to go up. You know, we we're still very much working towards that goal. It's not quite over yet. You know, there is a playoff final to play, so there there is still some work to do there. But um, in terms of the the players that we've got and the staff that we've got, we, you know, we. I, I couldn't be any prouder of them all, and that's across the board. That's that's 19s players that have stepped up into first team. It's your your, your regular, more experienced first team players. Every single member of staff that we've got, they thoroughly deserve to be called champions. Which, regardless of the of the playoff result, that's what they are. Um, you know, they've they've won a league for the first time, which is which is incredible. And you know, a try to tell them all as much as I possibly can how proud that uh, we are of them all and, and you know that yeah I use that word a lot pride but yeah they've they've thoroughly deserved the the, the accolades and, and the um, attention that they're getting at the moment you know they've worked really hard we ask a lot of them as, as amateur players certainly and they've they've done amazingly well and I, I've got no doubt that they can go on uh, you know if we, we do hopefully get promoted to, to go on and do well because We've played Adran Premier League sides already this mm. season and we've beaten two and we've narrowly lost out to a third. So I've got no no doubts whatsoever that we would go up and, and be able to compete really well. In terms of the long-term goals for the team, then, Jamie, you mentioned there, you know, when I, I saw on social media, I think it was it last week, where you, you mentioned you called out some people who weren't maybe clued up that these are part-time players who aren't getting paid you know full-time wages for for the work they're doing is the dream long term to be able to go fully pro i think i think that is a, a dream and an ambition certainly yeah it's um you know how far off that is is um you know that that's uh, maybe some way off but you know we we get promoted next season or, or the end of this season sorry for next season and the idea is to, to go semi-professional so we're already looking to make those steps, you know, really, really quite soon after we restarted the, the women's section up again. You know, it's come around really, really quickly, but that's that's due to a lot of hard work. It's due to ambition, and I think you've got to have that ambition if you're going to grow. Um, so certainly, yeah, it's it's a dream to become um, semi-professional, sorry, fully professional at, at some point. Yes, I would say so. And I guess the elephant in the room, the takeover, how much has that helped you? Because, you know, anyone who buys a club can put out a mission statement and say, we want to invest in this. We don't want to neglect the women's side. But for Rob and Ryan to actually help promote it and to give it as much effort on their part as well, that must be really humbling and really reinforce the work you're doing and make it feel really worthwhile. You're not just sort of, you know, sort of cliched, sort of ticking a box or sort of tokenism. This is a proper part of the club that is being recognized oh 100 percent um and that 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 you know there has been a lot of work that has gone on um for, for several years prior to the takeover mm. which you know you you uh, i'm sure you're aware of and, and and hopefully many of you of your listeners are going to be aware of that that you know that, that this section has been building for for the last six seven years but what is the most brilliant thing about this is that what was there in the, and what was built in those six or seven years has really opened the eyes of of Rob and Ryan and uh, you know everyone involved in in that takeover for them to then want to carry that on and to drive that on even further, which they really are doing. We you know we've got superb support 
from Rob and Ryan as as individuals, but also as the, the club and the board. Um, and, and everybody who works within the club, I would extremely supportive of, of what we're trying to do and what we are doing, what we have done. Um, and yeah, we, you know, we, we as a group of, of players and staff can't thank them enough for that because, you know, it, we really do work hard to get, get it to where it is and to, and to drive it forward. But the support that we've had to be able to do that has been invaluable. And, and yeah, we're, we're very, very grateful for them for, for, for pushing us forward as, as they are doing. And Jim, I think sort of lastly, you've mentioned there how proud you are of the players and, and of the, the owners for helping push this. But I think we just want to say we're so proud of you for, for sticking with it and for putting so much hard work in and making Wrexham aware of the amazing talented women's players we've got in the region and putting North Wales on the map again. So thank you very much. Uh, you're an absolute credit to the club and I hope you enjoy Sunday. Oh, bless you. Thank you very much. That's, that's really nice. Um you know, it's it, the the people here, the players certainly, and and the staff certainly involved directly with the women's team, and anybody that has ever been involved in any session we've run, whether that be schools, whether that be community, whether that be you know women's team 19s and and the girls centre from eight to sixteen. There's been so many wonderful people that. Of, of you know, I've I've come across in that time that have, have made this job really really easy, in the sense of um, you know these are the people that drive you on to want to do more, to want to be better, uh, and want to provide as as much as you can to make this side of the club successful. And um, yeah, it's 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 just been it's just been absolutely fantastic up to this point, and I'm sure it will continue to be fantastic, if not even more so. Um, from this season onwards. So, yeah, thank you very much. That's really nice of you to say that. And Naif, Rob McElhenney has tweeted as well while we're recording the podcast saying, please join this Sunday service with Wrexham AFC Women. All faithful welcome Let's sell out this holy ground. And then a wonderful sort of church display advertising the match this weekend. And yeah, just brilliant. As, as we touched upon there with Gemma, so good that the takeover hasn't just been focused on the men's side of things because obviously that gets the, the brunt of the attention, but there's so much more to, to what's happening at this wonderful club and it's fantastic to see and hopefully a whole new generation is, is being inspired as well. Yeah, it's, it's, it really is brilliant. And I'm... Hopeful that they get more of a, more of a looking in the dock this time. Yeah, I t- can totally understand. First time round, you're just trying to establish key characters, maybe in the men's team, but the women's team has been a huge success this this time round, and um, and they're just building. They're going from strength to strength, and it's important, I think, to give people like Rosie Hughes, Amber Light, for all these, you know, emerging stars in our in our club. Um, a, a, a platform, a profile, and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm just delighted for them. And it was great to hear from Gemma there. You know, it was also long... good on if that today that we're recording the podcast was the uh, new announcement of her game too as well. Um, yeah, with great. Some more in- inclusivity coming there and more accessibility. Um, Rex and partnering with that fantastic organisation to to promote women's football really and women in football as well. It's not just 
on the women's side of things. So both Wrexham matches this weekend will be dedicated to that as well, which is absolutely brilliant to see. More good publicity for some really good courses there. Yeah, it, it, and when you just go to the race course now, you you know I see loads of um, you know young young boys, young girls there that are just absolutely in awe of these players and it's important representation matters right like you you want to you know for example every time Paul Mullen scores he's doing a celebration for his son and he's an ambassador now isn't he for for autism awareness and all these sort of things that's massively important you know he's one of the most talked about footballers outside of the Premier League and every time he scores, he's trying to raise awareness. You know what it's like, Rich, when players do celebrations. For example, you cover Man United. When Marcus Rashford does his celebration, first thing people do is Google that. What does it mean? What does that celebration mean? People don't know what it means if they see it for the first time. And you'll get your explanation. The more Paul Mullen scores and the more Wrexham got the leagues, people will be looking at that and it will be raising awareness every time. So not to get too sidetracked, but, you know, her game too is a complete no-brainer and the club are just making lots of good decisions on that front and, and that's being driven by people like Gemma. And, uh, yeah, it's been a long time since we had her on first time round talking about Champions League and, and all that stuff. That was many moons ago, wasn't it, if, if you've been listening to the podcast a long time. But, yeah, delighted to have her on and, uh, yeah, looking forward to a really, really good weekend, a really positive weekend. Speaking of Paul Mullins' goals then, Nath, 40 for the season with his brace at Bromley. This man, I everyone who listens to the podcast knows that I love him. He's my favourite <laughs> ever Wrexham player. He's come out this week as well and said that he wants to play for Wales if he gets the opportunities. Double down on that saying, well, here's the quote from Mullin. I'm, far from, I'm from Liverpool, but I don't class myself as English. Far from it. I'd love to represent Wales. Being a part of Wrexham, I love the people of Wales. They've taken me as one of their own. If I was lucky enough to get the opportunity, I'd be ecstatic. Well, not this international break, Paul, because you have got more goals for us to score. But, Naif, how far can he go in the Wrexham scorers chart? Because he is an absolute phenomenon. And he is the poster boy of this takeover, of this new look Wrexham and the new belief we all have. I just absolutely love him. I know, I know you do, and I, it pains me because I feel obviously you love Paul Mullen a lot more than you love me. So it's that's that's a cross I have to bear. But you know, when you're watching a player in real time and you're just thinking, okay, he's brilliant, like he is phenomenal, one of the best strikers we've had in in decades, and you look at it and go, are we seeing an all a cl- you know, an all time club great? They're massive claims to make. You know, we're in the fifth division, and he doesn't deserve to be there, and hopefully we're not there for very much longer. But we look at it, 72 goals now, Rich, over two seasons. 40 this year, isn't it, and 32 last year. Where does where does he end up? That's the question we're going to pose, and, and next day or two there'll, there'll be a graphic out, and, and let us know, because he's on 72. Now, these are the players, Rich, that have 100 or more goals for Wrexham. And, then, you know, we're talking people that have suites Hall named after famous. on stands. Hall of Famers. Bona fide Wrexham legend. Okay, top scorer of all time, club all time, Tommy Bamford. And you've got second, Burt Good, Arvin Griffiths, Carl Connolly, Graham Whittle, Gary Bennett, Ron Hewitt, Tommy Bannon and Albert Kinsey. Now, they're, they've got 100 or more goals. If we look at, for example, King Carl Connolly, right? Fourth all time, 122 goals for Wrexham. Mullen is 50 goals away from Carl Connolly. And for some people, you know, friends of mine... Carl Connolly is their all-time favourite ever player. And Mullen is 50... If Mullen 
you know, at this rate, he's he's two seasons away from that, it's is he? Obscene, yeah. isn't it? It's Absolutely mental. Absolutely obscene. So, it's the, it's the, just the consistency of Mullen's goals. It just seems every week he scores and every other week he does something absolutely spectacular. He is, if you don't support Wrexham, I can see why he must be tedious when you see his name pop up. <laughs> everyone is talking about him and he is just an extremely good player. And that's why I want promotion so bad is because I want to see him taking us up the leagues. And oh, I just cannot wait. I just... the. the I'm just so excited for the future of Wrexham with players like him. We've got so much future proofing in the squad, and he is just he just where does where does he get? We love he he gets a hundred plus goals from. Him. He enters that Century Club. I think no no questions asked. I think he, he you know if we go up and he and he stays, there's no reason why he wouldn't now. He so loves he's on seventy two now. You could say he gets maybe no five this season. All right, so, that's so that would take that's just eight. Wait, I think that I'm with you. I'm with you on that. Seventy seven. Then we'll say for the. Does he surpass Carl Connolly's 122? That's the question. That would put if him. If he has two more time. seasons at the club, then yes, I think he he does. You know, then you think Arv- Arvin Griffiths. Does he surpass Arvin Griffiths' 143? That's that's an ask, isn't it? That's another 71. I mean, that is. It's, yeah, it's a, and then uh, look, and I, I I'm gonna I'm not gonna go out on uh, limb because it's it's hardly the boldest take, the hottest take around. I don't think he's gonna touch Tommy Bamford's 209 goals. Do you? Well, he's 28 now, and strikers we've seen, you know, in recent years, you think of players like Benzema, even maybe not Ronaldo now, he's out in Saudi Arabia, but they have got longevity, and they've got a lot of use beyond the age of 30 as well. So you could say that Mullen will still be a lethal striker for another four or five years. So why on earth can't he? He just needs to be at a club that matches his ambition, and for him to carry on matching our ambition as well. And right now, it's a match made in heaven, and I understand fully and I want to hear supporters' responses to this of how far he can go, but let's just enjoy him. Let's just enjoy him and see how yeah. far this journey takes us because right now he is perfect for Wrexham and Wrexham are perfect for him. On the spot here, but just thinking, and have we got any goal in particular that just will stand out? Because that will be the thing in years to come when these younger Wrexham fans or ourselves, when we think when Paul Mullen has long hung up his boots and there's some new boots with the with the Albie celebration that's just come out that they'll be hopefully firing us to to the Football League. I'm trying to think of a collection of his goals that will be the kind of Hall of Fame Paul Mullen goals. You know, that that Stockport semi-final one that'll be in there. But there's there's so many big goals that maybe he scored that maybe haven't been technically amazing. I mean, look at that one at Bromley at the weekend. That could potentially be a huge goal. I don't know what that was, a kind of overhead kick falling backwards into the goal, but I don't know. Any favourite Paul Mullin moment for you? Well, he scored the two headers at Maidenhead recently, which I know yeah. it felt like two points dropped, but they that were... That second one was ridiculous. Incredible, weren't they? Yeah. What on earth was that? He just scores goals for fun, <laughs> doesn't he? I mean... He does. Even though it wasn't sort of a day that we remember too fondly... Well, we do. Sheffield United, he made his dream with that penalty, oh, didn't he? I, wa- I watched that back. I watched that clip back, actually, on um, on my phone the other day. Just uh, penalty. Great. I mean, he's got Hatcher's against Farnborough and Solihull as well this season, hasn't he? For me, the moments that stand out for Paul Mullen excellence this season are the penalties, really. And I think of Oldham away and Coventry away, where we've had penalties. Oldham particularly, because it's the last kick of the game. And for the first time in my life, I just knew he was going to score. I had no doubt in my mind whatsoever that Wrexham were going to score this penalty and we were going to win the game. 
And that is testament to Paul Mullen. I just had utmost faith in him that he was going to do it. And yes, you're going to think of the Stockport semi-final. You're going to think of so many of his spectacular goals. But it's just how lethal and ruthless he is and how driven he is to score goals. And it's a hunger that just never looks like going away from him. Oh, Rich, is he, is he going to get the FA Cup golden ball? I mean, So he, he is he... top goal scorer in the FA Cup right now. It would take an Erling Haaland-esque semi-final ramp. But is it is it eight or nine? Because the BBC website is saying eight. The nine would include his one at Blythe. I'm pretty sure it's nine. Going, it is because that's how many I'm, goals he scored in the FA Cup. And you've right, got to but, but there's certain points. Does it going to say? Does it start from the first round, or does it start? I don't know what they give in the. Well, final. I think it has to. I mean, it's always going to be a, a really difficult tournament to sort of rank a golden boot for because you don't play a set amount of games. You know, so it's always real, really hard right, to sort of right. fairly compare players. But my counter argument of that would be Wrexham started the competition earlier but we're out of it before some of the big dogs. So like Erling Haaland, he obviously didn't play in the first in the fourth qualifying ground, but he will play in the semi-final and probably the final. Right. So I think it balances out and yeah, Paul Mullen's nine goals count. He is by far and away the leading scorer in the in the FA Cup this season. So what and... Haaland is on 3, right? So so realistically the, the the only way Paul Mullen probably gets dethroned is we're saying hat-trick for Haaland against Sheffield United. Double hat tricks, not beyond him, though, is it? Brace in the final. Well, God. They got five against Leipzig. And here's a spoiler for you they are better than Sheffield United. There's my hot take. (laughs) Sheffield United. Oh, God. I mean, let's not get into them. But I I, I couldn't believe the. Did you see that about um, them calling out Ryan Reynolds over the announce? I heard about it, yeah. And. Absolutely bizarre. What on earth are you doing? You've just got to Wembley, right? I don't, that's all I'll say on it. You've just got to Wembley. Well, maybe you should say what's happened for anyone who, who didn't see this. Okay, so I will say so. Sheffield United, Rich, I'm going to pull it up now. Um, Sheffield United got a last minute, was it last minute winner? Last minute winner against Blackburn in the FA Cup quarter final. So they're going to that Wembley to play Man City. Yeah, to play. So that's, that's it. They've got to Wembley. Obviously, the semi finals are played at Wembley. And here is a message uh, via. Dan Rexham on Twitter, who people know. And he's put from a Blackburn fan that was at Bramwell Lane, a friend of his. And the Blackburn fan's text reads, everyone is actually obsessed with you. The announcer at Sheffield United just went, message for Ryan Reynolds, this isn't Disney, this is the real thing. What can we say to that? Uh, Rich, and I, you know what I'll say, Blackburn had, had a good go, but no team has given Sheffield United more of a scare this season than Wrexham. Silly Billy, that's all we'll say, and that's silly Billy. But on, on Super Paul... I think he can get into the top four all-time Wrexham scorers. I think he can pass Carl Connolly into the top th- into the top four. But let me know. Let us know. Tweet us or uh, email us, robryanred at gmail.com and robryanred on Twitter, Instagram and robryanredpod on TikTok if you'd rather go on there. York at home this weekend then. Of course, we conceded a, a late goal when we drew away with them one all earlier in the season. You were there that day. Tom O'Connor could be back involved. Elliot Lee, we hope, is back from his illness. And Bryce Susanna could be involved as well. So Wrexham set to be boosted, even though Rob Langton will, will miss the game and the rest of the season. It's another game we've just got to win, isn't it? You can make a case for any team, but Wrexham at the Kairos, York 18th in the division, 
they are eight points ahead of the relegation zone as well. I know they've played quite a few games, but you've just got to be saying that's a home banger, haven't you? Yeah, I mean, you'd think so, wouldn't you? I mean, the, York beat Dorkin and um, and that, that felt significant for them because that sort of drags them, uh, you know, a chunk away. That's that's they they've got a little bit of daylight now, and um, and and I think for them that's that's really where you know they they just need that little bit of daylight. And for us, is it is it better playing a team that's able to look at it and go, well, but I'm not going to get anything from Wrexham free hit. Whereas if they were really scrapping for their lives, that feels like an even, you know, there's no team probably more dangerous than a team that's got absolutely nothing to lose. So. I think it was it was a good thing for us for York there, um, and I thought I would get as always as we always do. I thought I would get the insight of a York fan, a York commentator from York Hospital Ball, York Hospital Ball, York Hospital Radio, um, Dante. Yeah, York Hospital Ball podcast, and he's had various people on. Go and look it up. I'll, we'll tag it in the tweet um, that we put this out with. He, he's had Jamal Fifield on former Wrexham. He's had Sean Newton less popular than Jamal Fifield and uh, who else he had on Russ Penn. So that some some of them are really, really good episodes. I love Russ Penn as a player, Rich. I don't know what you thought of him, but I, I absolutely loved loved Russ Penn. But anyway, here is my chat with Dan on what we can expect from York and, and what's been going on off the pitch for them. Dan, where to start? Then I was just saying before before I started recording about we played you on TV. You had a manager in the stand then. We were rubbish. Uh, we had great fans that day, great support. I was I was in that that away at the way end. You were, I would say, better. But but what's been happening? What's been going on since then? Because it looks like chaos every time I check York City's Twitter account. Yeah, chaos is probably a good word to describe it. Really. Um, yeah, it's, it's funny. Really, you mentioned that that game, and and I was looking at it earlier, and it, it feels like a lifetime ago to me. <laughs> uh, and it was early kickoff, wasn't it? I remember yeah. and. Um, yeah, I think I think we sort of expected to to get beat in that game, much like we expect to probably get beat this weekend as well. But we we sort of dug in quite well. I think I remember the first twenty minutes, Mullin having a few chances, and um, I was sort of thinking, oh, if one of them went in, might have been been a different story. But yeah, getting that that equaliser in the in the last minute in injury time was was pretty sweet, really, from our perspective. And I think I think felt we, we wanted it on the day. Um, we just appointed David Webb as our manager then. So John Askey was really popular. We weren't too far off the playoffs, I think, at the time. Um, but yeah, John Askey and, and the chairman sort of fell out. We've we had issues with the chairman who came in last year. Um, he's sort of in the process of, of ho- well, hopefully selling up. Uh, but he appointed this this David Webb, who was a, a kind of scout, really, Um you know, it was one of those, it, it will either be a massive success or it'll be a massive failure. And unfortunately for us, it, it was the latter. Um, it just didn't work out. Um, yeah, we, we we kind of tried a, a bit of a different model and, and I think there was a bit of player unrest with it. Obviously, a lot of those players had signed for John Askey. A lot of them were, were players that had got promoted last season with John Askey. So it, it, it has been chaos, really. That, it, that, it's been chaos off the pitch and it's been chaos on the pitch at times as well. So we, we've just kind of... We've now got Mikey Morton in charge. He's sort of almost been like a caretaker manager, really, until we get the ownership situation sorted out. And then I would imagine we, we will get a, a more experienced person at the helm. But Mikey's done a pretty pretty decent job, really, trying to steady the ship. We've had some couple of decent wins recently at Bromley away, um, 3-0, where their the left-back had to go in goal because their keeper got sent off. So we, we got that win there, which was 
was a big win. And then, of course, beating Dorking at home on Saturday 2-1 was a massive result because that gives us a bit of breathing space now. So we sort of feel like going to Wrexham on Saturday is a bit of a free hit for us. Uh, we've got Scunthorpe at home Tuesday, and I think that's a bigger game out of the two um, for us from our perspective because we think that's a game that, you know, if we win that, it'll put us a, a, a massive bit of daylight between us and, and the relegation zone. So I think we're looking at Saturday as being, yeah, bit of a free hit for us. Yeah, we've heard those words many a time this season. But I, I <laughs> thought that, that dorky game was massive, wasn't it? Because, I, I mean, what stood out for me was whoever scored when it came up on the ticker, the bloke had three first names. It was like Ryan, Jack, Glenn, Fallowfield or whatever it was. Um, oh, I don't know. I didn't yeah. see that. It's um, just Ryan Fallowfield to it, it, us. Ryan Fallowfield. I don't know where Jack and Glenn came, uh, Glenn came from. But... Um, I guess talking about the, you know, that obviously that is big and that puts a bit of breathing space between you and the relegation zone. But the ownership's the big thing, big thing when I look at York and I speak to other, other York fans that I've come across in my time. We've obviously got a great ownership situation and we haven't always in the past. So we know what it's like to have bad owners. Mm-hmm. What What is the situation with, with Ben Henderson now and um, and, and where, where are you at in terms of, is, is it going to go back into the fans? Is it going to be another private owner? Where are you at with that? Good question, really. It, it's I think it's complicated, really. I, I think that there was potentially going to be six, I think six interested parties in taking over, and the, and the supporters trust were going to open it up as a bit of a vote for the fans to sort of be involved in that. Um, those that are members of the supporters trust, but now I think there's only one interested party left, so there's no point having a vote. They're just kind of going through with trying to get mm. get get the kind of um, whatever verification process that they need to do go through. There's a little bit of unrest between the fans and the supports trust as well, because some of them sort of say, well, you appointed Glenn Henderson in the first place. He's turned out to be a disaster. What makes you think that this next one's going to be any better? Um, so it's it, it still, I, I think there's a bit of a deadline as to when, when Glenn is supposed to have sold it by, which is, which is coming up very fast. And then if we don't get it sort of cleared by that point, then I think the, Glenn has a little bit more say in, in who it goes to. So, so like I say, it's, it's very complicated. It's mm. very much the supporters' trust and not kind of giving lots and lots of statements because I think they don't want to give false information. They don't want to give information when when they've got it. But by not doing that, it, it leads to loads of different random rumours about what's happening right. and, you know, so from people saying, oh, we're going bust and we can't afford to pay the bills to people saying that, you know... Um, you know, Ryan Reynolds has got a, got a cousin who, who can come and take over. Do you know what I mean? It, it, it kind of varies. So, so I kind of try not to look at that really too much. I kind of, you know, I'm probably a naive thing to do when you're 40 years old, but I try to sort of bury my head in the sand and hope everything will be all right. Um, I think for us, I, I just sort of think if we can get to the end of the season and stay up, which is looking more likely now than it was a few weeks ago when we are in a bit of free fall, if we can get to the end of the season, we can get the ownership sorted out, then hopefully there's a bit of a, um, foundation there for us to kick on because you know you went to the stadium yourself didn't you at York in December whatever it was yeah you know we, we've got a decent stadium you know it's all set up we've got you know a really decent fan base you know York's a big city it's a nice place to live we we've got you know football league history um so it, it's all kind of set up for us there I mean my very first game that I went to was in 1992 was against Wrexham that was in the football league you know, I think both both of our teams that you know belong in the football league, in my opinion. Well, you you were there much more recent than us, and hopefully we're there soon. But on on the stadium, I was just curious because you know it, it isn't Bootham Crescent. What, what you know, fans 
happy with what with what they've got now at the minute. You know, I know there's these off pitch things, but it was just an interesting one because it, I've never quite been in a, any I've never seen an exterior to a stadium quite like it. Yeah, it, it's I'd say it's mixed. I think I think more fans are, are liking it. I, I think that Boom Crescent was a it was a big thing to lead, and and you know I'm I'm one of those. I love the old style sort of football grounds that don't look any different to the first time you went there like I love going to like places like Hereford when we we're in National League North I love going there because it's like an old style ground and and Boom Crescent was very much like that very nostalgic a bit like the old Salter Gate as well at Chesterfield right. and and the thing is those grounds inevitably become antiquated don't they and they they, they kind of they're, they're too costly to run and 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 they're more kind of cause more problems and and you end up with new stadiums that all kind of look and feel the same, don't they? So, and I think there was a lot of that, you know, yeah, I think we mentioned off air about why from uh, Michael, a mm. uh, good friend of mine, he, he, you know, he absolutely loves Boob and Crescent. When you, when you talk to him about it, you know, you can see the passion in his eyes and stuff. And, and, and he often tweets about, you know, pictures of Boob and Crescent and you think, oh yeah, what a fantastic stadium it was. But, but I think because we got promoted last season, I think it, it got a little bit of momentum in the new stadium. I think like the South Stand is very, you know, it's full of, um, quite young lads really that are really passionate about York and, and create a lot of noise and, and I think that's sort of as a generational thing I think they really like the new stadium and I, and I think because of that and the atmosphere it's generated and because we've got promotion I think at the minute it's it's seen quite positively really I, th- I think what what is difficult about it is that a lot of what was agreed when we moved to that ground was like contracts with certain firms and stuff like that so it's like you know five pounds 75 or something to, to have a pint it's you know it's not local beer and so you know what i mean stuff yeah. like that so it's so they're, they're kind of like their hands are tied a little bit with certain i think they're, they're trying to do more with like york brewery and brew york and, and people like that and they're trying to get like more bands playing their local bands so, so i think the fans are trying to um get involved where they can and try and make it our own really I guess you'll, um, you know, you'll have it you'll have it talking to the fans you'll have a decent following at the race course you know you always travel you know, like you say decent history big club and, and all that and you'll travel well if you are going to cause any sort of upset which we god dearly hope you do not ruin our uh, title running but if you are who, who is likely to be instigating that who is the sort of star man that could cause Rex and some problems well the one the one man that, that David Webb brought in that, that that was fantastic is, is Shakai Ford. So he, he's a really key man for us. He's on loan from Watford. He's only 18. Uh, I think he's got seven goals in 11 or some, something like that. It's, it's a really good return. And he's been playing with a few hamstring issues recently. So he's not even been at full fitness, but he's the one that, that can really make a difference for us. He's, he's a really, you know, he's got an eye for goal. You know, if, if he goes clean through, we, we, you know, we're expecting him to score, you know, a bit like you, you guys do with Mullen. Mm. Um, he he's sort of he's not just fat as well. He's he's a bit of a creator. He, he can sort of spot things that other players can't. Ultimately, he's too good for national league level. Uh, we we've, we've managed to somehow get him from Watford, and I think that was the idea with Webb. That he he has these contacts and he can bring in players from higher levels. But we tried to do that with other players. We had a guy called Ollie Tanner, who I think is still on the Yorks books on loan from Cardiff. Again, we thought he was a great sign, and he played for Cardiff the day before against Leeds in the FA Cup. Came on for half an hour. We thought, oh, you know, his pedigree, but. He didn't work out, um, but yeah, Ford's Ford's really good. We've got another player called Maz Kuyar, who's a really good player, but he's he's just sort of coming back from from a long term injury. He's Afghanistan international, really skillful. Um, again, can sort of change change a game in the blink of an eye, really. Um, and then the rest of the team is is 
you know, they, they work really hard, York. I think I think we've got a lot of players with a lot of energy like Lee Dyson, Mitch Hancock, um, Ryan Fallowfield, you mentioned these fifteen middle names. Um so we have got we have got you know, I, I think you know, we, we can't, I certainly can't fault any of the York players for effort this season. Um, I think sometimes we've lacked a bit of quality in games and particularly away from home. I mean, I was looking at you, your home form versus our away form. I mean, you, you 99% think it would be a home win, you know, but right. but football's that, that game, isn't it? But two minutes to three, I'll be thinking, oh, maybe we can get something. You know, you just do that, don't you? Even though you've been to thousands of games before and and, and you've seen it all before, you, you still, still get that mad sort of, idea that you can get a result and and like like we you know we played well in the game in december and you know maybe we can we can have a similar sort of gutsy performance and 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 take take any chances that we can get particularly if if they fall to four rich it it makes you think though you when you think hear that ownership situation at york you know unrest and turmoil and we've been there haven't we we've been there and we are so lucky. I don't want to kind of blow too much smoke, but we we are so lucky to have the situation we situation we've got where everything looks rosy at the minute, and uh, and long may that continue. It's just there's so much to be positive about, and like I said, eight games left, some real winnable games in the in the on the horizon, isn't it? Three now uh, on the bounce against teams that you'd expect us to win. We've got York and Oldham at home, and then we've got Halifax away on on Good Friday, teeing us up to that mammoth potential title decider so yeah win these next three and we'll be right up right up for it heading into that game against Notts, won't we so it's just a case of taking every game as it comes the old cliches and all about consistency and momentum and again just avoiding any complacency i just don't think we can get too carried away and look too far ahead at the moment we have just got to beat the team that's in front of us. And as we saw earlier in the season, York proved to be tricky opponents. Again, a game that maybe we should have ground out the result a bit better. It was a very sort of fortuitous, fluky, equalised we were that, that We were crap, Rich. We were, we were terrible. I am not. I can't make any bones about it. We were... I mean, by the end, Aaron Hayden was on one leg and he was just defending. It, it was... I mean, but you know what? I, I I know people will say easily. I think it was that York game that really started the upward turn for Tom O'Connor. I know it wasn't the most orthodox of finishes, but I honestly believe that's where it started for him. Came on, made an impact, and ever since he's been dynamite for us. So it, it wasn't all bad. You know, it wasn't all bad for us that day. Exactly, and we just got to see what happens now then. Wrexham against York this weekend. We'll be back on Rob Ryan Red next week to reflect on that and also to reflect on that record-breaking weekend, the record-breaking attendance as Wrexham women take on Connors Key Nomads at the Kairas this weekend. And yeah, brilliant. Two home wins, please. Thank you very much. Uh, and thank you very much for joining us today on Rob Ryan Red, the Wrexham podcast. Brought to you in association with Red 10 People Development. Thank you very much to Hypnotic for providing the music, the stings. Take care, and we'll see you again next time. It's the 90th minute. All your mates are around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mate's already got butt for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hold up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.